0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Eric Miller. Eric is the co founder of PADT an engineering company that helps people who make things, make them better. We had a great conversation that covered 3D printing, robots taking our jobs, the potential upsides and downsides of artificial intelligence, to the future of work, and a potential universal basic income. We closed with Eric's thoughts and advice for how people can take part in this future economy and how you can be an active member of one's community. You can find out more about eric and what he's working on at padtinc.com padtinc.com and then go to the blog section of the website definitely encourage you to check it out if you'd like additional info you can click contact us in the show notes and we'll get you what you need to make it happen thanks as always for listening remember to tell a friend that's enough about that let's go well, let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Eric Miller, the co-owner and principal of, I should have asked you before, is it PADT? It is correct.
1: P-A-D-T. The official name is Phoenix Analysis and Design Technologies, or what we like to say is what do you do when you put four engineers in a room and with a company name? Mm. You come up with a uh, very very long name.
0: (laughs) P-A-D-T. But
1: it's lasted 31 years, so we're going to stick with it. Right. Uh, 23 years. Uh, years, years,
0: The the, the horse is out of the barn on that one. (laughs) Yeah, we
1: can't really change it now.
0: (laughs) Centauri. Here we go. When the coming war between humans and robots happens, (laughs) which side will you be fighting on? Probably the robots, because they're going to win. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Didn't
1: even hesitate. Just went for the other guy. Yeah.
0: well, Eric, you will probably either be leading the resistance, or perhaps you will also be a, a turncoat and fight on the other side. No, no.
1: A no, brown coat. I'm going to be definitely fighting the robots.
0: Okay. Got it. You will be the John Connor. That's right. Yeah. Of, uh, of, uh, of our generation. <laughs> yes. So, Phoenix Analysis and Design, founded in 1994, but Correct. you already told us that. You are a globally recognized provider of numerical simulation, product development, in 3D printing, product, and service. Mm -hmm. What does all that mean? What that means is people that make (laughs) stuff. Like,
1: let's talk about this microphone in my face right here, right? So that's a piece of plastic. It's got some stuff around it. When somebody designs that, there's probably three or four engineers that spent six months doing that. And they use tools and processes to do that. And we either sell them those tools, so maybe numerical analysis we would use to see whether if I hit the table, does the microphone vibrate? So instead of testing it, we can test it on the computer. So that's what we use numerical analysis for. For the 3D printing, we would go ahead and go straight from the computer model to a 3D plastic part that we print directly so they can check it out and make sure it works. And then product development is kind of helping do that whole design process and helping do the whole thing. So it's all about making the people who design stuff that gets made. It's the tools and services they need to do that better.
0: Got it. Nice. And we're 3D printing. Yeah, that, that that changed the whole landscape for you guys. Well, you know, it's it's been around. One of the
1: it's one of those well kept nerd secrets. We've been doing it for well, my partner's been doing it for almost twenty eight years now. So it's not a new oh. technology. Hmm. Um, it's just a technology that became um, mainstream in the last five or six years, and that's because the price came down and the quality went up. So we kind of hit that threshold where it exploded. But yeah, it's, it, it's been a game changer for a long time for engineers because one of our problems was always, I got this idea in my head. It first came the computer software that allowed me to turn that idea into a computer model, which is great. But now I want it. Well, I got to go find some guy to make the five different parts. I go to three different machine shops. And five weeks later, I get my part. Now I can just send it to the printer, come in the morning, and it's done. So it really allows us to change the way we make things. And now we're seeing a shift to... Not just engineers using it to make prototypes, which is what we've been doing for decades. It's people actually making stuff with 3D printers. So if you're low volume and custom, you can actually make it cheaper on a 3D printer than traditional manufacturing. And that's the big change
2: we're seeing. So for the listeners, how, how viable is the product produced by a 3D printer?
1: Um, so it's getting better. So um, you can either make the product yourself or you can make a tool that makes the product. So, one of the things I like to point out is Invisalign braces. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. Those are made with 3D printing. So, they don't 3D print that little plastic piece you put in your mouth. What they do is they 3D print a negative of that, and then they suck a piece of plastic down around that negative, Mm. and that's how they make your braces. And that's been going on for quite a while. So, that's a good example of a viable product that's way. Um, The other thing we're seeing is aerospace companies are starting to use it, making metal parts. So General Electric just announced a new engine that they're doing. And I want to say four or five significant parts on that. Because we always used to talk about, oh, we're using 3D printing, and there'd be like a a wire holder somewhere in the back that didn't really do anything. So we could say we (laughs) "We use 3D printing. No, they're making rotating pieces. They're making high-temperature pieces. They're making the nozzle that the fuel squirts out of and catches on fire. That's all being 3D printed in metal. So we've come a huge, long way. So... It's, it's in the right application, it's viable. Um, as you would imagine, medical devices, like custom medical implants, that's a great application today. So if you wanna pay the extra money and get a custom hip, you can 3D print that now uh, before they put it in you.
0: That is really interesting. I was first exposed to uh, some of the more unique uses of 3D printing with a doctor at Phoenix Children's. Yes where they would be able to look at and are able to look at x-rays mm-hmm. and then actually take and print um, in this example, the child's heart. Exactly. Yeah. Fascinating. So what they do there is
1: great and I, and I love working with the doctors and hospitals like that because they get so excited because you know, they're going to cut open, a, in that case especially, they're going to cut open a child and try and find the heart. And they were telling me one case where they 3D printed it and they were looking at it to prep beforehand and they realized there were two holes. Now, if he had opened up the child, realized there were two holes, they would have had to extend the operation. Mm. The, the risk to the child is considerable in you know, every every hour that they're still open. So this way he was able to prepare, they went right in and, 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 and fixed it. So it's it's pretty neat technology and we're seeing more and more application of that. Um, the problem is how do you pay for it? That's the problem with medical 3D printing. Um, Mayo, Phoenix Children's, so Phoenix Children's Hospital has to raise money through charity to pay for it. Right, Mayo Clinic has a different business model, so they have overhead, but, you know, because we have a pay-first fee, and the insurance companies control what you can and can't pay for, like, um, get done, uh, it's not, the technology isn't used as widely as it should, mm. so that's a, a little bit of a thing we'd like to see changed, is either insurance, you know, change our whole well, right here, right now, let's just change our whole medical system in yes. this country and fix yes. it because it's broken. But uh, <laughs> if we can't do that, maybe change the way insurance companies pay for some of this advanced technology.
0: Well, the name of the show is Figure It Out, Eric. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. We're going to shift and okay. figure out insurance companies. Yes, right just, just kidding. <laughs> All right. So how long until I have a 3D printer in my house and it's like Star Trek and I type in burrito and it, and it makes me a burrito? You know, <laughs>
1: I used to laugh. Hopefully so. Well, I still laugh a little bit when I say that, but I used to laugh because it was like, yeah, whatever. Now I laugh because, yeah. That we, might yeah, happen. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be exactly the same, but um, where we've seen things change is the materials that are available mm-hmm. and the ability to – so all these early machines that we've been using for a long time all deal with plastics. And then people, you know, said, well, what if we work with other stuff? Like what if we work with dough?" What if we work with chocolate? What do we work with? So yeah, I mean, you can have a a reconstit- or a, a dehydrated bean paste, a dehydrated beef, dehydrated flour, and print out all the ingredients to burrito, put it in a microwave, and you're done. So um, uh, one of the things that needs to happen for for that is you know your allies, the robots, they need to get involved <laughs> in the picture. For every time. it's going to so they need to be part of that. They need to. We need. There's some stuff that needs to be assembled, right? And so putting robots into 3D printers is what a lot of people are working on right now. So now I can put out component parts and then assemble them. So like when they tried to make a pizza, so NASA had a relatively famous uh, in our world uh, project <laughs> uh, to print pizza, all right? So the idea was up in the space station or Mars, they can have this capability. Huh. And, and it, it was gross. It was really gross. Because they, they had one machine that had to print all the ingredients. So that's when they started thinking, well, what if we had multiple machines that printed out multiple, they're, they're specialized in different kinds of ingredients, like a pepperoni printer is different than a bread printer, mm. and then put those all together uh, with a robot. So I think it's going to happen. Um, will it be in your home? Um, I don't know, you guys are a little younger than me, but you know, in my, in my generation, when I was young, everybody had a grandpa that had a garage or a workshop that had all these power tools in it, and... and Grandpa want to go out and spend, you know, $500 on a table saw and use it twice. That's kind of where 3D printers at home are going to be is the people that kind of like that kind of tinkering are going to go buy them. But what we're already seeing is your neighborhood print companies, you know, your your, uh, FedEx and and UPS stores, they're buying 3D printers. Ah. And they're creating a web interface for (laughs) you to go ahead and do that. So instead of having a printer in your house for the, you know, you use it a lot when you get it, but then it's going to sit in the corner and get dusty is you'll be able to say, hey, I really would like to make a heart locket for my girlfriend. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and print that up and um, just design it on the computer and then go to my UPS store and pick it up the next day. So I think that's what you will see is kind of these local 3D printers that you'll be able to use.
0: Is that primary, well, probably a combination of the technology will change quickly. So it doesn't make sense for an individual to buy it. And then the cost of materials,
1: Custom materials, and I mean, they're, they're always going to be the people that are going to buy it. And you can buy them today. You can buy decent right. home printers today. It's just, how often are you going to really use it? Right. Yeah.
2: You know, and you there know. are currently community spaces that have to be, right? Libraries, yes. a yeah. bunch of incubators. Yeah. They're, they're readily accessible and if you want to try. accessible. And,
1: yeah. and there are national um, online. My favorite is a company called Shapeways, if anybody's interested from an art standpoint. Uh, it's a fantastic resource. So like, you can make a custom earring design and they'll print it for you. Uh, they're more oriented towards that kind of more of a craft. Oh, that's pretty cool. Thing. Yeah, it's really, I like really that. cool. There's and there's people there that will do custom stuff for you or they have pre-made stuff. It's kind of Etsy with 3D printing. Uh oh, no. that's, um, that's neat. And, and, but it's national, right? So that's not quite the same thing as okay, I'm going to go on my way home from work and pick it up. And that's what I think that's what we'll goes close. And yeah, people I mean people now have them at home and it'll it'll be just like that table saw. It'll be a 3D printer as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You got it. I love the fact that NASA opted to, to make pizza in space. <laughs> Listen, we can make anything, and it was clearly pizza.
1: If, you, if you're going to spend the money, spend it on something valuable, you
0: know? Yeah, and then that, <laughs> and people will like it.
1: People will And worry. you said it wasn't
0: very good. That's the age-old question. Is there such a, bad, is there such a thing as bad pizza? Apparently in space. I, I think
1: yeah. 3D-printed
2: pizza <laughs> right now is not. It's, that it's,
0: sounds so better. gross.
2: Yeah, and... and yeah. Uh, hey.
1: You know, the, as you would expect, the army is also interested in the same thing because they want to deliver good food to the you know soldiers on the front, and without having to ship out a whole canteen, right? So right. the idea of bringing in a truck that, uh, that, or a little even like a little refrigerator-sized device that can print a hamburger. I mean, that, that you know, I think I don't know if Napoleon actually said it, but it's attributed to him. You know, armies travel around their stomach, not on their feet, hmm. and I think that there's some validity to that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that is an excellent point. So i uh, I think I read a blog post or an article that you wrote recently. Um, but my, my question here is, when are robots going to take my job?
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting question because I think we thought about it differently in the past. Really, well, you know, going back to I don't know if you guys remember the movie Metropolis, which was kind of the first one of the early science fiction movies from. Early 1900s, about robots taking over the factory. Right? And it's been a concern. We've always focused on that: is the the guy putting together things with a wrench is going to lose his job. And that, well, he probably already kind of has. The widget stuff. Widget start. maker, yeah. They, 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 a lot of those people have lost their job already. It continues to, to go away. But it's going to be more. Um, yeah, you, you could lose your job because of artificial intelligence. So you went out, learned about things that I've talked about, things that interest you create an algorithm in your head of a series of questions you were going to ask me that you think that your listeners find interesting, that's doable today with mm-hmm. the with with machine learning.
0: Well, that's robot. absolutely a robot could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't <laughs> be that. what I do, really no problem.
1: <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's nothing safe. Um, I just saw an article the other day that said that mechanical engineers will be one of the last jobs to be taken over by the robots. Uh, because somebody's got to design, you know. Someone has to build it, but I don't know if I agree with that. I think that a lot of that work is becoming automated as well. So mm-hmm. we really have to think about that from a societal impact standpoint. You know, we we've been through many different changes from you know digging with sticks in the ground to you know distributing iPhones around the world. And we're up for another big one soon, where. Maybe, even, I mean, I used to always think the creative class was the one that was protected, but that can be done with algorithms now,
2: so. There's a, um, I don't know, I forget who it was, was saying that he he believes that there's some kind of algorithms and robots that can teach a class better than a lot of university professors, and so you would think that would be one thing that would well, be protected? My professors are dead now, so yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> um, but there are also, uh, you know, yeah. AI um, and analytics that gain, uh, you know, make better, they said they can make better decisions than some C- CEOs. Right. So,
1: you know, the one of the advantages we have is is, you know, we can sometimes go off our gut or in, what we call intuition and all these things. But you can program that too. Uh, with enough horsepower and enough um, you know stuff, you can make some pretty you can you can do some of the things that we think are reserved for humans. So mm. some tough questions come in, maybe not my generation, but you know, my kids' generation it's going to be some very different world in front of us to where you know, where where do humans add value in the, the value chain and who's going to buy the stuff the robots are making if humans aren't working mm. so how does that shift?
0: Have you figured that out?
2: Don't not at all <laughs> And you <laughs> Which, think it'll be another lifetime within the next 50 years though? I, think
1: with, I think in the next 50 years yeah right. I think it's going to shift uh, you know how, how does it impact the developing world uh, how does it know, emerging economies like China, it's going to be totally different than here, you know, and Western Europe is going to be different, you know, it's just very strange and weird, I mean, are we just going to become, I, I, I guess my thought has always been, um, will we become the middlemen managing the robots, right, we'll just, we'll just end up making money kind of franchising robots, right, or something like that, so um, we don't really add any value in it, but we, we claim it's like owning land, right? But you didn't really farm it, right? So we'll, we'll own robots and we'll, we'll use them to generate revenue. And we'll own a percentage of that revenue that comes
0: out of it. Maybe that's what we'll end up doing. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly a tricky thing. I think when people talk about robots versus artificial intelligence, it's essentially one and the same.
1: They're merged, yeah. I mean, I, my thing I always like to bring up a lot is, is truck driving trucks, right? So one of the things that probably makes a lot of sense from a ecological standpoint, a cost standpoint, a safety standpoint is replacing long-haul trucking with automated robotic, artificial intelligence-driven vehicles. Um, but there's a whole class of, you know, where do the gypsies go? Where do the cowboys go? They're truck drivers now. What what happens to that group of people that want that lifestyle? What are they going to do? So, it's going to be a tough tough transition.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, it, yes, and you're looking at I think, less than 50 years, maybe 20 or 30. Um, but almost immediately, transportation accounts for, depending on who you're talking to, 20, 10 to 20% of, of the current jobs. Yeah. So you get rid of that. That's an enormous number of people. Um, and I, I guess we'll circle back to that. But I, I think that perhaps I don't realize how much artificial intelligence is currently all around us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, these new, Apple just announced, and I don't really know much about it and read much about it, but their new artificial intelligence thing that lives in your house. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Alexa is Amazon's. Alexa,
1: Google Home. Yeah. Uh, Roomba, right? Um, right. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the one thing I was talking about the other day is autocorrect on your phone, which I struggle with um, because I don't type well and it doesn't guess right. But... Um, <laughs> You know that's that's a that's one that we use every day, right? So you type in something and it guesses what based upon other things you've typed what you're going to type next. So it's ever evolving. It's ever evolving, Mm -hmm. ever improving and getting better and better, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's connected to the cloud and it's built. It's looking at not just you but everybody else and you know what's what does he really mean here? Um, And you know that's a good example of artificial intelligence we deal with every day. Um, And you know companies that we're probably not aware of, like insurance companies are using it. course in marketing it's heavily used now so trying to figure out you know it used to be if you went to a website and looked up tennis shoes for the next two weeks you get tennis shoe ads right right and now that's getting smarter and better and looking at what your friends just bought tennis shoes your friends just booked a trip and now well if they booked a trip maybe you're interested in booking a trip so they're getting really sophisticated
0: yeah that algorithm on facebook is fascinating and we've probably talked about that on the show but I mean, we can't compete with it, right? No. It's it's processing billions of thoughts every single second and going through the entire world of advertisers to pick just the right one to put in exactly. your timeline. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really improved over time and will improve more. So, you know, all these things are having uh, an impact on us And medicine. You know, some of the good, it's not all bad. I think diagnostics is going to go through a major revolution in the next five to ten years. Uh, IBM Watson, of course, is the most marketed version of that, but there's other approaches uh, where people are looking at looking at symptoms and not just saying, uh, well, I think it's this, but really doing some really good diagnostics and, and maybe getting to the problem, source the problem faster and treatment faster. So that's, that's good stuff. Of course, from a safety standpoint, autonomous cars are going to be, I mean, should be wonderful from a safety standpoint.
0: So. Right. But you think about every single, just just those things that we talked about right there Trying to make a diagnosis um, it's going to artificial intelligence we'll be able to look at and consider every different um, interaction between different drugs that, that, mm-hmm. that may be damaging or whatever in yeah. in, in a split second exactly, right? exactly. Um, an insurance company will be able to do underwriting yes. in, in, in a split second and be able to update it with every just all available information yeah. Yeah. Um, so so a lot of the, the really smart folks that I pay attention to, I don't know if you're familiar with Sam Harris. He's a, uh, I think he's a neurophysicist or something like that. And he's very much concerned with artificial intelligence.
1: It's a two-edged sword. It's, it could get scary. I mean, um, the the Armageddon-type uh, scenarios could happen. I mean, it's, it's extremely disruptive. Anytime anything's disruptive, right? The printing press was disruptive. How many people lost their lives because, um, you know, the printing press was invented and now people could do pamphlets and created this, you know, reforma- the reformation and all the bloodshed that happened because of that may not have happened if it wasn't for the printing press, right? But at the same time, all the knowledge and, and learning that we have because of the printing press. All this technology is,
2: yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> From a uh, public policy standpoint, do you foresee legislation to kind of curb it or at least control it?
1: You'd have to, right? Well. Currently, I don't see any legislation happening that does anything except remove controls, which I think is, is the opposite direction. But at the same time, you can't overcontrol it. I think you know, we, we, we've had spots where we've done a good job with public policy, where we've encouraged good things and discouraged poor things. I mean, we, if we can get our political house in order, we can do it again. I don't think we have our political house in order, so I don't see us. I see us reacting. I see us chasing this.
0: That's, that's a little scary because that's how things get out of control. I think that trying to trying to, to, to put bumpers or, or I don't know what the term I'm searching for, trying to slow it down or, or control its growth mm-hmm. will have a very, very detrimental effect. Because if you don't think that smart folks in Silicon Valley are just going to develop it on their own, yeah. then, then you're yeah. nuts.
1: Well, it's, it's, you know, the other thing has changed, I mean, that's very true. People find ways around it. And then also, you know, we're not the only ones playing in the game. So one of the things that we decided was we're going to not look at uh, a lot of genetic and stem cell research, right? Because we, in my opinion, we overreacted on that. But so, but it's not stopping. Other countries are just of course. jumping into that vacuum mm-hmm. and taking off with of it, and they have no controls. So they're doing crazy stuff. And so I think, you know, it's a I always argue for a, a measured, intelligent, long-term outlook approach to things.
0: It's Preposterous. Not necessarily what our government is good at these right. days.
1: We used to be able to do that, but not anymore. We don't listen to experts anymore. But um, you know, I think hopefully we're, we won't create a huge problem that we have to react to after it's become a problem. But right now, I don't think I don't think we have people in power that will listen to people that understand it or that understand it themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, I think that that's really an interesting and, and, and a great point. You consider, let's just, let's just say that, that Google now has, they're, they're on the brink of this new artificial intelligence that will be godlike, mm-hmm. it will be able to solve famine and everything else. You're telling me that China and or Russia and or name another other superpower wants the United States to have that before they get it, you think that they won't do something to stop us from getting that. And that might be a crazy concern, but that's one of the concerns that I've been reading about that people are worried it's, about. It's it's
1: valid. I mean, it's a weapon now, right? I mean, we mm. saw it in the election, right? The interference from, from hackers in, the, in this last election to to not necessarily hack into the voting machines, but to sway public opinion by hacking, right? So that's just the first step. So if you had an artificial intelligence that could understand a, uh, you know, a, an election cycle and, and, know where and when to, to interfere and how to interfere and a way to sway it, that's a lot of power. Um, or to control, maybe Russia wants it to control their own population, right? So how do I, how do I nip, um, uh, emerging threats to my power in the bud using artificial intelligence? You know, you, this is powerful stuff. And when people, when people can make a lot of money or have a lot of power, they do crazy things, right? And, uh, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or I don't think, you know, the odds of lots of that stuff, kind of stuff happening are small, but they could happen and you need to pay attention to them. Hmm.
0: That was another excellent point talking about how the people that actually do successfully develop it will be wealthy beyond yeah. any imagination. And are they going to just give it to us?
1: Thanks, guys. Yeah, I don't, don't think so. I don't think it's going to go out. The, the open source, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of people posting it on to. Open source portals. Uh, you know, I think it's just, there's a lot of money to be made in these kind of transformative things, and, and uh, you know, creating maybe a new. I mean, to take it to an extreme, creating a new power structure. So it used to be who owns capital, right, controls the world,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: That may change to who owns the ability to control the flow of information. Uh, so, you know,
2: so what does this look? What does it all look like for you? So you're a maker, unlike mm. the internet of things. So as yes. a manufacturer of things, yes. what does this all mean for your your company? Well, yeah, getting,
1: getting away from all the, the worst-case scenarios yes. and world-changing things, I mean, it, it's it's uh, I like to tell people to think about cell phones and mobile phones, right? How that has transformed everything so quickly. Right, we're being live-streamed right now on a phone-slash-camera-slash-communication device. It's all-in-one and sitting on a little tripod right there. So... You know what we're working on with our customers is stuff like that. Is how do we take sensors, miniaturized electronics, connectivity to the rest of the world, and make better products? And whether it's a medical device or a light bulb or um, a toy, they're all kind of it's all kind of what everybody's looking at. Is how how do I how do I put all these things, these sensors, this connectivity, and better better parts, better materials to make a better product. And that's a lot of what we spend our time helping people do. And and, and anytime you make a change in a product, there's problems, and how do we fix those problems? So enabling them either through products or through services to to kind of solve those and come out with a better widget. Nothing that's going to take over the world yet, but
2: Right. Yes.
1: Mostly some 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 are customers improving your golf game though, which could be earth changing. It certainly could. <laughs>
0: it certainly could. Okay, excellent. So just to close the loop on uh, on robots taking Centauri's job, yeah, and and maybe what what he would do, um, I was reading up a little bit and just assuming that that driving careers go away. So unless us assume that that's 20%, and then another 10 or 20% of careers are cut, so you're looking at 30 to 40% unemployment, which would mean that those people are no longer buying things, which would essentially stall the rest right. of the economy. Right. So what do we do? Are you from, have you considered universal basic income, things of that nature? you have thoughts on that? Wow. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> Eric said he would talk about anything. <laughs> he said he would
1: talk so. about anything, so here we go. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Um, you know, in, in so, to some, I think we need to look at Western Europe to some extent. They, they've kind of gone through this to a much lesser level of, of you know, having um, an economy where people work less. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some technical, some just choices they've made as a society, right? So how have they dealt with that? Some of it's been successful, some of it hasn't. Um, you know, how you implement some of these ideas, how does that fit with, you know, America's different, U.S. is different, the way we do things is different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going a, a universal. I mean, one would argue that the the uh, uh, what's it called the tax credit that you. Give you know, we kind of have that now, right? Mm-hmm. If, you don't, if you don't make enough money, you get more back than you put in from income tax credit. Right, income tax credit. Right. So, um, you know, we, we kind of are experimenting with that a little bit. There's there's negatives to that. There's, you know, you create a permanent class of people on the dole. Like in England, they talk about people on the dole, right? So what right. Do, how do you solve that problem? So great, great science fiction books have been written on mm-hmm. the whole project. No doubt. <laughs> but I think yeah i think we really have to get ahead of it before it happens because if we don't it's going to be disruptive economies will change shift fall other countries will go up other countries will go down you know it's how do you you know how do you deal with the concentration of wealth so one of the things that happens with this the current trends is it allows for greater concentration of wealth right because there aren't a lot of high paying jobs right there's kind of low jobs even robots don't do. And then there's the people that own the robots and, and artificial intelligence. So, so may, that may even create an even bigger wealth distribution mm-hmm. problem than we have now. So do you do you tax and redistribute? Um, what, what do you do? And, you know, I think that there's a lot of combinations of those things that make sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, We've made it through many industrial revolutions. And we try to think about different revolutions in, in how we live our lives and, you know, use machines and things. Um, we've survived all of them, but it was pretty unpleasant through many of them, <laughs> I mean, it was really unpleasant. I mean, the shift from agriculture to industrial was very disruptive and a lot, I mean, people lost their lives. They starved to death through that. Um, I hope we don't go through that again. I hope we're smart enough to to, to look at history and, and say, okay, well, we need to smooth this out a little bit and. Get got a little bit of government involvement, get a little bit of private industry involvement, make some incentives, make some tax policy that makes sense, and maybe get through this with a little bit less bloodshed, hunger and famine and death that these things have caused in the
0: past. Right. Just a little bit less. Yeah. Let's not let's not get Hope crazy so. and just crazy. totally fix it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's. I, I find it to be curious and very very interesting. And it seemed like for a long time, nobody had any real answers. They just said, "Well, there's not going to be jobs anymore in the future." Mm. And I'd be watching a <laughs> TED talk, and I'd be like, "Well, what are we going to do?" Exactly. It's like, thanks for letting me know. Do we hand
1: out towels to each other in uh-huh. the spa? Is that? But then a yes. robot can do that. So right. yeah. I mean, what? What? Uh, well, I, you know, I think that it's so. My son is in college right now, and he and he he could choose pretty much any career he wants. And I, of course, push him towards a more technical one, and he's. He's choosing video game production, Hmm. and at first I thought, "I'm gonna get a real job." Then I thought, (laughs) "Wait a second! In ten years, there's a market for him. There might not be a market for people like me as much as there are for the people that kind of and a lot of the lot of the resources they they will use to write the video games and to distribute and manufacture and all that that may be all automated, but there's still going to be somebody that's going to coordinate all. And so, so I think that's the thing to focus on is you know, the people that, that manage, coordinate you know, uh, stuff as well as come up with ideas and uh, creative, there's actually more for them, I think, in the future than, than a lot of other professions. Wow.
0: Yeah. I think that it will certainly be interesting. Yes. Um, I think it was Bill Gates that was just talking about how you need to tax the robots so, so essentially, let's just say that, uh, that Centauri and I are replaced by robots. Mm-hmm. So instead of taxing my income, which is currently happening, they would just tax the corporation uh, for how many robots are, are replacing it. And that would essentially...
1: Then pay for you to go on vacation with a bunch of robots. Yeah.
0: Yes. I mean, I
1: mean there's, there's actually... I joke <laughs> about science fiction, but there's... A, I can never remember the names of the books, but I think I read one maybe 10 or 15 years ago that was kind of, you know, the future economy is... Um, the dole is you're allocated the uh, revenue from a certain number of robots and algorithms that you control, and everybody gets a minimum amount, and they live off that, and they basically live a life of leisure. And in some ways, it's slavery, right? I mean, it's it's that um, I'm hiring other entities to, 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 to produce. You know, we can get into the whole Marxist of you know owning production, producing production, and everything, but you know there's this idea of producing value, and then and then. Getting monetary compensation for for transferring that value, so if so if you own the robots that are producing that value, you get that monetary value off of it, and then wealthier people own more robots, and uh, you know it becomes into and I think that story turned into a revolt and they killed everybody the robots did, it. but the idea. Well, <laughs> they, oh, that Told I was you. On the <laughs> Told you. But I uh, know I think I think that that's that's a model that may work in the future is that. You know, if we do come to, to a totally automated, where where all the value is created by not by people, you own ownership of the value creation is where. Um, if we, if we can distribute that relatively, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not an even distribution guy, but um, if it's too uneven, then you create unrest and you create then pitchforks come out start burning stuff down so you got to have some somewhat of an equitable distribution of that ownership
0: can I already see the protests happening um, bad treatment of robots you want to piss them off so, something of that effect well, it's not the robots that we'd be protesting it would be people yeah. trying to get rights equal rights well, for the robots the robots
1: bring pitchforks though? What? <laughs> and torches <laughs> that, yes <laughs> yeah probably that, that is the concern
0: um so your 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 son is potentially going to be working on video game development, but virtual reality is this fascinating technology, which is just I think now well it's probably been around forever, but it's really now become becoming commercial. Yeah. Yep. yeah, really really cool. Well, it's funny
1: because um, it just made me think of um, the Disney uh, Pixar film wall Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that may be our future, right, is we're just going to sit around in a big uh, luxury liner hooked yes. up to a machine, having robots feed liquid into us, watching things in virtual reality. Um, that that That's, I don't, you know, it's an extreme, but there's some truth to that, right? And I think virtual reality has a lot of positive implications from um, teaching, uh, travel, uh, learning, uh, entertainment, of course, is the big one, uh, medicine. There's just a lot of cool things with virtual reality. Um, so I don't think it's all a negative thing. But uh, I think I think it's going to... The thing we learned with, again, mobile phones is what we predict mobile phones would be used for, we didn't quite get right. Because mm. these, these people that don't know any better come up with ideas we didn't think of. Let's stick a camera in there and connect it to this new thing called the Internet. And now I'm live streaming and I think people do the same thing with virtual reality where they're going to come up with stuff that we're like wow sure what I wish you would have thought about that didn't and see just, that one coming didn't see that one coming um, so yeah, I think how much of what we spend our lives we spend a lot of our lives online now right mm-hmm. how much of that's going to shift to virtual right that's the real question and it, since the robots are doing all the work maybe all of it so it's
0: see. that's uh, I, as I try to read tea leaves and look into the future and assume some kind of a a reality where we are just essentially in the matrix. Yeah, yeah. Just plugged in and Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to lead to so many different psychological problems. Um, I think it'll lead to depression and people feeling disconnected. I think that our communities are the most important things and being in touch with the family and I'm going to pivot. You're a a really active member of the community Mm -hmm. here locally and just wanted to talk about why it is that, 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 that you're so active and why you give back, like, the way well, you do. Well,
1: I mean, I, you hit it on the head, right? It's community. And and sometimes when we make these technological leaps, we lose community, mm-hmm.
0: right?
1: So you grew up in that village, and you were out there helping your neighbor, you know, till his field and sharing the oxen and stuff like that. And then you move into this tenement in a factory somewhere, and you lose that sense of community. And over time, you build it back up again. And, and you know, being online can be a way to isolate yourself or a way to connect yourself. like Most of my younger son's friends don't even live in the U.S. Mm. He, he plays games and communicates with them and has a really tight group of friends that are all over the world. Really? Yeah, which is just fascinating. Wow. Yeah. It's like, well, I was talking to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where does he live? Pakistan. Unreal. And it's like, whoa, well, that's pretty cool. So it's not all negative, And I think we just have to be conscious about it. And so, you know, back to the question of the community is, it's easy for us um, to, to let go of community because we're focused on our business, we're mm-hmm. focused on me, we're fo- and me being the company maybe, not just me. And when you lose that sense of community, you realize, well, why, right? It's not just about growth and money and, and making goals. It's about, you know, going home at night and being, you know, we, we are still psychological creatures who like to feel good about what we some people maybe that's enough. Some people it's enough that you know we're the size of a company, and blah, blah blah. But for me, it's more about: do we create a place? Did we, did we create a community? Is is this workplace a community where people want to come in the morning and and, and maybe aren't as eager to go home at night as some places? <laughs> you know, I always hate it when I see on Facebook it's almost Friday. Right. You know, I want I want to create a place where people are like, eh, it's Friday. Right. You know, they shouldn't. Dread it, but at the same time, it's not like whoa! Yeah. It's finally Friday. Can't wait for Monday. Yeah, can't wait for Monday. You know, so I, I think, you know, that part of a community is really important, and then, mm-hmm. and then the larger community is great. You know, we live here in Arizona, which has got a lot of very positive things about it, and we, we're all transplants to a large extent, um, and we, I don't think we have, I think a sense of community is lacking here compared mm-hmm. to other places because Absolutely. of that, and just trying to help build that, trying to get people to work together, to belong to something. Um, I had a, I had an epiphany with that um, when I decided to lose some weight and joined a gym. Uh, it was one of these small CrossFit for, for mature individuals like myself.
0: And, uh, <laughs> and it worked. You know, I, I lost the weight and it, it was nice. great.
1: But what came out of it more was I got new friends. Mm. And that chip created a community. And I realized how how quickly it happened because how hungry everybody was for community they, we all live in our you know, red tile roof houses, and we wave at our neighbors and go into our garage, and we don't communicate. And if you don't create a relationship at work, um, you don't create relationships. Our, our church, you know, you just don't. Those are the two places most people create their relationships. Right. Uh, we were lucky having kids that so we created relationships with other kids' parents, but that was it. And so as, as the kids got older and that stopped, we were like, wow, we, have no, we haven't had any new friends. Um, and then we joined this gym, and it's like, now travel with these people stuff them. Right. So, so there's a real problem in our society right now, of not having that community, and I think you know it's it's important to me to reach out. That was an epiphany for me when I saw that. Like these these, and the people that weren't part of that little group were kind of angry and pissy about it. And I was like, well, why are they so angry and pissy? Because they don't have community. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't belong to something, and you know, we need to continue. We are, are we haven't evolved beyond that. So. We're still we're still tribal in some ways and I think it's important to, to do that. So like the Yes Phoenix initiative, which I'm really very positive of, is is the startup community here, was just kind of again exploded almost overnight. Because everybody was sitting around going, you know, we need more community in Phoenix. We we should get together more often and somebody actually said, Okay, let's have happy hours and let's create a website and let's start sharing. And it just boom exploded yeah. because that need is so strong. So uh, we like to participate in that kind of stuff. Encourage it, and it's good for business as well, and it's good for the soul. So, those are, those are good things.
2: And so, outside of entrepreneurship, what are some of the things that you are passionate about?
1: Well, STEM. Uh, so, so you know, educating the robot builders of the future, and uh, the artificial intelligence programmers of the future, uh, before their jobs, they they design away their jobs. Um, yeah, that's really a passion of mine, especially in an underrepresented. And uh, it's engineering is a very white male, um, Western European. Background kind of thing, mm-hmm. and getting more people of color and more females into it is is really really important because I think they bring you know for all the reasons everybody talks about it, they do bring a different perspective. It needs to be more representative. You shouldn't have such an important class of society that's not representative of society. Of society, and, yeah. and it is one of the last uh, you know subgroups that's that's still not really as diverse as it should be. Uh, so so working with 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 you know not just working with the kids to get them involved early on but trying to understand why we don't attract a lot of those demographics why why aren't they interested in engineering why why do so many women get their engineering degree and then transfer into other jobs mm-hmm. they they go they, they get out of engineering it's a very high dropout rate why is that yeah. trying trying to solve that problem and, and make changes in how we do things so that doesn't happen as much mm-hmm. so that's that's a passion that's awesome. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and not that one that's easily solved either. No, I
1: like problems that don't have answers because right. then I don't have to take blame if it doesn't
0: work. Yes. Right. <laughs> there's, there's no real this. There's no to real this, deadlines so involved. So we're still working, we're still on, working it. on it. <laughs> we're
1: still
0: working uh, on it. We're seeing some good progress. we in hunger. Is. I think
1: we actually have under control. Yes, so I yes. yes. Good. good, good, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, working with uh, – Circling back to, to, to the startup piece, mm-hmm. um, I, I read something that you wrote and talking about, to use a sports analogy, that more folks should be trying to hit singles and doubles yes. than just trying to hit home runs all the time, because yep. not yeah. everybody's going to go start Uber or mm-hmm. Airbnb.
1: Or they may, but those companies didn't start trying to start Uber and Airbnb, right? Mm-hmm. They were just trying to solve a problem they understood. And I think a lot of times I see startups sit down and go, or people that want to do a startup sit down and go, what's this huge ground... You know, earth shattering thing we're going to develop rather than what do I know and how do I know how to solve that problem? And that may grow into the next, you know, uh, Zuckerberg wanted to meet women in the dorm, right? That's, That's how Facebook happened, happened. Yeah. right? And so that was a problem he saw and he knew how to solve it. And look where we are right now, right? So, for better um,
0: or for worse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I think. Sorry, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I think that the, uh, the reality is that. We're caught up in the romance. One of the problems with something's kind of hot and happening, which startups are right now, is we get caught up in the romance, right? Mm-hmm. Like I refuse to watch Shark Tank. I just will not watch it. It's not real. That's not what it's like. It's it's produced, and I think it gives people a false impression of what startups are like. And startups are really like, you know, getting smart people together, solving a real problem, um, and getting people to go on you with that, go on that journey with you to get you to success. And it's it's not about bringing your dog to work it's not about <laughs> uh, you know creating the next great app it's about finding solutions that add value to people's lives because they'll, so they'll give you money to do it and kind of focusing more on that was kind of my point on that it's, it's just I've seen so many pitches where it's like you know we're going to cure literally we're curing cancer no you're not no, that's we're
2: not, not we're happening. not close yeah. we're not
1: close that's yeah. an area we're not close at but Maybe you can detect cancer earlier. Or maybe you can have a treatment that allows you know, 30% of the people to survive instead of 20% of the people to survive. You know, These are the things that, that are achievable now, can be funded now, and can make it a better world now. But trying to cure cancer, somebody needs to work on that, but everybody shouldn't be. It's certainly not startups.
2: <laughs> so how do you have a conversation, or rather, how do you push rhetoric that is not so um, making so I think one of the things that, for better or for worse, we've created a culture where entrepreneurship is really sexy. Yeah, it's really, yeah. a lot of universities are actively pushing students mm-hmm. into saying that everyone should be an entrepreneur. Exactly. And I, I personally don't believe that's true. Right, I, I agree It's with okay you. to not start a it's, it's, company. it's okay
1: to not be a CEO of yeah, a startup. Yeah, yeah. 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 We we, we, need, we need other people. <laughs> um, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, what I like to ask people is, well, you know, are you doing this because you want to be part of a startup? Or are you doing it because you want to solve this problem or because yeah. you're attracted to the technology or you know, what's your passion? And and we actually did interview a, a college graduate once for a position. I can't remember what the position was, but we asked him one of our standard interview questions is where do you see yourself in five years? He said the CEO of a startup. Yes.
2: Right. Okay. Ambitious ambitious. I'm like,
1: okay, that's Locked great. It. That's great. So what, what technology, here? what what area do you what are you passionate yeah. about? What 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 is your startup gonna do? Oh well, I don't know. I'm just going to find one. Yeah, well, he—I was needless to say—he did not have a second interview, but it was an indication that maybe we've gone a little overboard on this. On this and, here, and, yeah. the, and the and the and, and the other thing that we see that's negative is um, the people that come up with the solution to the problem are very rarely the right person to be CEO. Absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> and holding on the, because of the romance of being the startup CEO, they don't. I mean, there's this natural tendency to hold on to your ideas, right? But there's also this. This is. I want to be that guy on Shark Tank. I want to be Mark Zuckerberg. Well, you know, he's, he's a rare example of a person that came up with an idea that actually was a, run a company. Yeah. You know, Bill Gates, and you know, we, we idolize these folks. But I always like to point to Steve Jobs, who, um, he didn't come up with any of that. Wozniak did, right? So everybody needs Jobs, right? Everybody needs a Steve Jobs. The Wozniaks out there need to accept the fact that they're Wozniaks. Mm-hmm. It's OK. Nice. He lives a very nice life. Right. <laughs> he changed the world in a positive way, unlike almost very few people. Right. But he wouldn't have done it if he didn't accept the fact that he was a Wozniak do and you, found his jobs. Do you
2: believe that that's possibly what's happening with Travis at Uber?
1: <sighs> I don't know enough about the, the internal of that. I think it's think another example of just too much success too fast. You know, it's almost rock star, right? right. He's a rock star, and he's acting like a rock star. I don't know how much of the success of Uber is is him, how much of it is, maybe it's his drive, right? That drive that got them to grow is, they didn't come up with anything really difficult. They just came up with it first and they got it out there fast, right? Use your cell phone to call some guy that will take money to drive you to the bar and home again. You know, in, in hindsight, why didn't I think of that, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> that's Damn fundamental, it. Yeah. But he thought about it, he got it out there faster than anybody else. So. I mean, uh, his, his situation is a difficult one because would they have been successful without a Travis? He's a, he's, a, he's a jerk. He's a complete total jerk, as was Jobs, right? So these But these guys force new change when other people like me are saying, well, do we have the application ready enough? You know, is there enough market share for this? He's like, boom, do full it. board, let's take go. no prisoners. We're going to do this. The, the, the downside of that mentality is it generally comes along with misogynism, sexism, sexual harassment—these negative things that we don't really like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that are not good for people. But you know that take charge, go gung ho attitude. You know, maybe that's what made Uber successful. So, I mean, the board probably should have replaced him a long
2: time. ago. on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, to are your thoughts on that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't, but I don't. Yeah. There's probably other companies like that. Um, you know, this this whole idea of superstar CEOs. Theranos is another good example for me. I oh, know, she, she was
2: maybe. a train wreck.
1: Yeah, she was a train wreck. But she was what we wanted, right? She was a dropout. She was attractive. She was articulate. Um, she was female. The, this is what we want to see, right? These 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 superstar CEOs. So we just kept on. People like me that understand the industry are like, going. Well, uh, I'm not aware of any technology that does what she's saying. You know. Uh, it's, it's, it's too good to be it's true. It's too good to be true because it's, it's not too good, good yet. Be true.
0: And, and those, she's wearing a turtleneck. Yeah, exactly. She's wearing
1: a turtleneck. But we wanted her to be right, right? Because we wanted the product. The two things she had going for her is her personality and her, she fit that, what we wanted the CEO to be. And then she also had a solution that we all want, right? We we want to be able to just get a prick and figure out whether we have these diseases. So she had that combination. So we we went along with the dream a little bit longer than we probably should have. But I will note that no one in Silicon Valley invested in her. No kidding? Uh, No. It was all outside. Oh, I didn't know Mostly, that. Mostly friends of her... Her dad's... I, I forget the whole story, but I, I want to say that her dad is an investment banker or something like that. So they, those are the people outside of Silicon Valley. But Silicon Valley people are growing. Wait a second. There's, something doesn't smell right here.
0: So. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we've certainly covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah. The idea of the show, again, is awareness and then the action piece. Um, and So if, if you were to give a prescription to somebody listening... Um, let, let's let's assume that that it's a young person trying to pick a, 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 a an area of study. What is there a degree that you're a you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, wow. You
1: can't predict the future, so you know regard you know pick something you have a passion for that you enjoy doing. That you have a passion for that you're good at. Um, that's important, but get good at doing stuff. So you may get a degree today in software. That's a great place to get a degree in. There's a lot of need for it. That's going to get replaced, to a large extent, by algorithms. But if you're good at, if you learn how to work with other people, do project management, mm-hmm. communicate well, you know, you can pivot to a new career in 20 or 30 years. Maybe you know, selling shares and in artificial intelligence programs. I don't know. Whatever it's going to be. So you know, be be good at what you do. Learn to be good at what you like to do now, and you can get paid for now. And that's that's applicable. Or whatever you end up doing when things change so uh, maybe it's joining the resistance I don't know
0: yes but, uh, <laughs> but
1: I think that's that's it and I think you know be be stay educated be aware try to be proactive and not reactive you know these are all things that are easy to say but hard to do mm-hmm. but uh, the more you do that the more the more you can be um, kind of ride the changing tides of time
0: you're in a position now that you've You've, you've, you've run a successful company for, for as long as you have, okay. um, but that doesn't mean that a young person who's just getting started shouldn't become an active member of their community. How, how, how would you recommend somebody start doing that? Well, first of all, I want
1: to point out that we're successful because I have two partners. <laughs> so they help us be uh, the, the, together, we've been able to do that, which is, which is a unique thing in and of itself. Um, but, um, you know... It used to be easy to get involved, right? You go down to the local Rotary Club and Hmm. and have a few cocktails and and go out and build a playground for kids or something, right? Um, That's what my grandfather always used to do. Um, But um, I think, you know, use social media to go out and find stuff that you're um, interested in that you feel you can make a proactive change about, and then let go of your fears and just do it. Yeah, and that's the hard part, right? That's what I struggle with every day is just let like, go of your fear and just do it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? And the worst thing that's going to happen is they're a bunch of jerks and you're not going to go to the next meeting. Or or you find out they're not really doing what you thought they were doing, and so just don't go again. You know, you know, People always think of all the reasons why not. Focus on why. Just do it. And just do it. And who knows, maybe make some new friends and go off and do something else entirely different. And uh, it, you'll be in the trenches finding the robots in 40 years.
2: Together. Right
0: start doomsday prepping and, uh, I was going to say learn mixed martial arts but against a robot that yeah, maybe no, no, it yeah.
1: it's designing electromagnetic <laughs> pulse devices okay. that's what I'm going to focus there on there it is oh. <laughs> <laughs> somebody make a note of that
0: <laughs> excellent um, well as our time is drawing to a close and Tari, what have we forgotten to talk about jo- oh wow just very quickly uh, I want
2: to get your thoughts on since you are a manufacturer do you feel like entrepreneurship is too um, apt in the of things focused right now and not enough people actually making things yeah you guys are asking such simple easy to
1: uncomplex it's a
0: yes or no
2: yes or no
1: I think I think that one might possibly say that somewhere between yes and no is the answer um I yeah we're, we're too focused on apps definitely um that's changing. Uh, it's changing in the investment community because they're realizing that um, apps are great and there was a lot of growth in apps when these new devices came out, but why are apps successful? Because somebody came out with a new device. So there's a lot of money coming out with devices that apps run on. Mm. And, and a lot of devices are now in your mobile device, but um, th- there's a lot of new gizmos. and So the Internet of Things is all about that, right? Is combining sensors, connectivity to the internet and um, something that does something together to add more value so there's a lot of interest in that right now so I think I think it's shifting I think people are realizing that um, you know making an app that says hey dude uh, isn't going to make it uh, but you know coming up with a device that uh, cleans your house better tests whether your food is safe or not these, these, these are the market opportunities of the future so we're seeing that shift um, definitely that But yeah, we went to the pendulum swing way too far. To the I'm gonna come out with the next. The problem is, is that you got 50 people, and there's even. I mean, this is a philosophy in Silicon Valley, right? Is you get 10,000 Stanford students to to sign up to each come up with an app, and two of them are gonna be money makers, right? What well, that's great for the company that invested and those two that make it, but what about the 1,998 that that didn't, right? Yeah, so or 998 that didn't. Um, so it's kind of shotgunning those things, it's kind of silly. So I think we need to be a little bit more intelligent about
0: it. Thanks. And for the record, Eric, Nuance died a couple years ago, so okay. it's just yes or no. And okay. <laughs> if you don't like it, it's a false news. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. BS, I'm glad we were able to figure BS, that that's, out. That's right. Uh, what else would you like to get off your chest? Um...
1: I think just you know, we've forgot we've forgotten about learning. To a large extent, I think a lot of these problems that we're facing that we've talked about um, are exacerbated by the fact that we are too lazy to actually understand what's going on. We live in a world of magic, right? And and very few people understand how an airplane flies or how a cell phone works. Mm-hmm. And these things impact our lives. You should know a little, right? You know, and so it's 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 I think I think we make decisions and we they are wrong because we just don't understand the world we live in now, and, and that's understandable that we don't understand the world because, boy, has it changed, right? And it's right. complicated and it's, it's nuanced. And I think you know, take some time to, to refresh yourself on some basic physics and understand a little bit more about economics and, you know, just kind of educate yourself a little bit because, you know, right or wrong, things are, things are going on now and we don't. We don't have a – if you don't understand it, then a small group of people that are in it for themselves are going to make the decisions for you. And that's, that's the situation we're in right now. It's not working out so well, at least recently. All
0: right. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and yeah. insights today. Great. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the sh- subscribe to the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.